and it got picked up uh, straight away. I kind of just posted it thinking, oh yeah, it'll be another post. And I had 2,000 followers at the time. And then overnight, I got to 30,000 followers. Wow. Because I think Paloma Faith and Jamil, Jamil and Megan from Love Island all shared it. And it just went crazy around the internet. guest. Not only is she a master of art and a voice that our generation so desperately needs to pay attention to, she's also someone who has known me for almost 15 years, which is crazy. I'm wow. so proud of it. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of everything she has achieved so far and I cannot wait to hear all about her journey to where she is now. It's the incredible Hazel Mead, everyone. Hello, thank you for having me, Bradley. No, nice to catch you. up after I, so long. Literally, so, <laughs> are you, I don't even know where you're living right now. Are you in Mayland? Are you in Mayland? Are you no, um, so I'm in London at the moment. Uh, so, oh. kind of Shoreditch, the creative area. Nice. Um, kind of naturally gravitated towards. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I've, I, I think I still see your mum around town. Like, I feel like she's, she's still here, right? Well, actually, they're moving, um, so she keeps going back to Mayland to pick up more stuff. Um, right, okay. To Whitham. Oh no way! Yeah, so we're going to oh. be out of Mayland. They've just sold the house as well. Oh, that's crazy! I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest with you; it's probably the right thing. Like, I love Mayland, but um, it's a little claustrophobic at times. So, <laughs> yeah. do you get to escape? Um, so, ob- so obviously with my normal job I'm in London so I, I actually quite like commuting okay. at, f- at first it was a bit of a chore and then I was like actually getting out of the village is pretty nice um but during Covid as much as we've got the lovely like water and lots of countryside still it's it's a village and we all know that villages have village people so <laughs> we, <laughs> we um we, <laughs> yeah it's it's very especially someone who is creative and I'm sure you can relate to this it's nice just just to get out sometimes and be like okay this is this is this is a bubble we're gonna leave the bubble every now and again just to realize there is more out there than just Mayland you know <laughs> yeah I think it was uh really important for me as well to leave Mayland it's nice to come back to it's so picturesque so many yeah. things so many nice views and things but um yeah you don't really experience the whole world and moving to london of all places um it's so multicultural oh my god uh, yeah all right at home actually. yeah definitely no 100% that's why I like I studied in London for three years I was studying theatre and performance and um I lived in I lived near, near like Putney area um so yes. um was, I, I love like I, I had many a night out in Putney and Hammersmith <laughs> <laughs> it was very fun um but yeah it was it's, it's such a that's that is the one thing I really miss about being in London and especially because Essex isn't the most diverse well at least at least this part of Essex isn't the most diverse place I just really miss and that that comes to that that's when we come to um race sexuality like there's not there isn't much diversity when it comes to that so I do miss being there I'm very envious of you right now (laughs) oh no well if it makes you feel any better you know we're paying London prices living here, but we're not getting any of the London perks. So That's true. The, the social life isn't really happening at the moment. I love that you're <laughs> trying to make me feel better already. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is a brunching podcast, Hazel. So what have you brought for brunch? 
Um, so I'm going to be a classic millennial yes. <laughs> and have an avocado on toast with a, nice. what is it, an oat latte. Ooh, I've got these little sachets. So I'm oh, saving good. so much money because uh, I used to buy a coffee every single day because we sort of get into the habit of doing that yeah. uh, in London, especially. And yeah. it adds up if you're spending three pounds a day on a coffee. Oh, so yeah. yeah, I've just got these little sachets and I'm saving so much money and I'm determined to stick to them. When well, that, we all go back to normal. It's funny you say that because I, I, when I was at uni, I would be so stingy with getting the bus or the train and then I'd go and spend like five pounds in like a coffee shop and I'd be like, why did I, why, why did I walk for like an hour and a half when I could have got a bus and then when I spent <laughs> money on a coffee, you know? <laughs> but, what can you do? What can you do? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I would say that halloumi is quite a millennial thing right now as well. So I am, I'm, I've gone with a Yay. classic um, wedge of halloumi in a brioche bun with this really nice um, beetroot pesto that you can get from, I think, also, oh actually, it might just be Tesco exclusively, but the brand's called Wicked. I love it. It's so good. Um, yes, I know yeah they do I, sausages yeah they yeah 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 <laughs> they do do sausages they've got loads of like veggie like ready meals and yeah like different sauces and stuff so they seem to be branching out a little bit which is nice but yeah it's a beetroot pesto and it's got like a real kick of garlic in it and i'm a massive garlic fan so um i'm coming back to Maine for brunch <laughs> oh yeah come over come over anytime i've got two dogs that <laughs> absolutely love you as well so oh. anytime <laughs> um but yeah so that's what i've got for brunch i'm not as i'm not as bougie as you with the oat latte i have just got a black coffee this um this morning but you know what can a you classic. do? a classic a classic of course <laughs> so obviously we have been through the wars over the last um, four or five months it's been a crazy crazy time um how, how have you been coping through through lockdown hazel uh how was i coping at the start i found it a lot harder just that adjustment period uh because i was actually living in um a shared shared flat um yeah. with <laughs> a techno dj <laughs> so, oh uh, right <laughs> Yeah, and then I think that was just getting on my nerves a little bit and we couldn't find a schedule that would suit us because she needed to practice and I needed sleep. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I moved out and one of my other flatmates moved out as well. So I'm now living alone. Oh, wow. Um, okay. How's that been? I bet that's a... That's a oh my God, I love it. I was going to say, compared to living with a techno DJ, it must be very different. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I just feel like... Um, I finally got my own space whereas before I still felt like I was at uni um flat sharing and yeah. I didn't really have my own space I had a teeny tiny kitchen to share between four of us um so yeah I'm very happy um I don't think I could go back so I'm going to work really hard to make enough money so I don't have to <laughs> exactly exactly that's once once you've got a taste of what what you like then it's it's that case of never going back isn't it? that's what that's that's what I keep doing with Disney World that's why I can't afford to live in London because I keep spending money and going to Florida every year <laughs> <laughs> if so. it makes you happy oh when are you going to be able to go back oh who knows I mean I'm not I'm not I won't well I say I won't be going back to work who knows what will happen but I mean I am who knows with America right now it is messy for many a reason so I mean oh yeah it's oh god yeah <laughs> literally we'll just say oh god because we don't this isn't a political podcast in that respect we're not we're not mentioning yeah. the initials d and t in this podcast today because that brings the mood down you know <laughs> um it does 
but yes, yeah, I just so, did a caricature of him actually. Oh my! <laughs> oh, I need to see this. I need to see this. He yeah, is. I'll give you a, a sneak sneak preview of the drawing because I haven't released it yet. I'm still working on it. Oh. It's about gaslighting. Oh my god, love it! I'm excited. Okay, yes, yes, <laughs> secret. Um, <laughs> on that on the note of gaslighting, the chicks who have they were the Dixie Chicks. They've renamed themselves to the Chicks now. Have a really good album called Gaslighter. Um, just gonna, it's all <gasps> okay, about it's all about like divorce and like being gaslighted by your husband. So check that out. Very good. Oh, Very... I think I will. Um, yeah. I need to make a note of that. I'll make a note after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. So obviously, yeah, lockdowns, we're coming out the other end of it now. So you're finding, you're finding that you're getting yourself into more of a routine now, would you say? Uh, yeah, I think I've got used to it. Um, and I don't know whether that's a good thing, because I used to be so extroverted and life was hectic, crazy London life. Um, you know, going out, seeing people, seeing people for lunch, yeah. meetings, zipping across London. Um, and you know what? It sounds really terrible to say, but I've enjoyed having to stay at home mm. um, because I've just taken a couple of steps back and just been able to relax Definitely. a lot more. And there's also now a kind of an excuse of why you don't have to see people when you don't want to as well. Literally, literally. I think I, it was funny because the first time I properly social I wasn't even properly socializing but we had a picnic with some family friends who were like oh my family like I love them so much they've been in my life since I was born and um yeah it was my family and their family and this was when you were first allowed to like meet outside with another household that was when that first happened so that was probably a good like six or seven weeks or so or even more after lockdown was enforced and again I'm I was well, I am an extrovert. I would say if I was going to like place my place myself into a category, it would be extroverted or an, maybe an introverted extrovert. But me too. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's what I am now. Because I'm like, when when it's like, do you want to go out somewhere? I'm like, no, I'm staying inside. Like that's where I'm staying. But um, but the, yeah, I got I I got so anxious at the thought of meeting these people I've known my whole life because it was the thought of socializing someone that wasn't over zoom like there's obviously been so many zoom calls and um facetime calls with friends and family over lockdown but there's that barrier up and like I know I know people I'm not calling out any names but I know people that have just left zoom calls halfway through and they're like oh my laptop died and I'm like I know what game you're playing but I'm not I, I mean I'm gonna use it when I need to use it we're all allowed that card so <laughs> so yeah it just it's really funny that for someone who was so up for socializing all the time I, I completely agree with you that I've also just taken a massive step back and I, I don't know how I'm going to like integrate myself fully socially how I was before if that ever come if that opportunity ever arises again oh it's funny you say that because I've had the exact same thoughts like, I have friends that are really eager to see me and I've just been really reluctant so I'm trying to you know gradually meet a couple of people at the park or something yeah um yeah, but it is nice to be able to say, oh, I'm a bit too anxious to see you, which isn't a lie. But no, exactly. it is also also a, a bit of an excuse. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> we're allowed we're allowed to have excuses. Like the world is a crazy place right now. So no shame in that at all. Um I'd said to you before we started, I don't want to talk too much about lockdown because 
we're all living well, not that we're actually in a lockdown anymore but you know we're, we're living through a pandemic yeah. so we'll leave the we'll leave the pandemic in the past for now but I also think it's really important to touch on how everyone's individual experiences have been because it's something that we will be talking about for years and years and years to come so um, definitely and it's a good um way of kind of documenting it we'll have this podcast to yeah, remember exactly how we're all exactly so Let's dive in. I mean, I so I came to Malency Primary School when I was ten years old. So I don't, you you came a bit later to the school as well, right? I don't think you were. I did. Yeah. Uh, I came in. Uh, was it year three? Yeah, year three. I don't know how old that is. Maybe eight? Yeah, so I came, I was end of year, I came the last six weeks of year five and I remember being so scared of coming to a new school. Um, But I mean, it's just, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like kids, you you have your comfort spot, like where you are originally, because I'm originally from Romford. So Ah, yeah, coming to the countryside was a very from wrong a very <laughs> a very odd feeling but um I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I did it's such a like we said earlier it's such a lovely place to live but yeah then we were both in Mr A's class together right <gasps> Mr A I know yes Throwback. we'll have to send week. him this episode yeah he'll love that he'll absolutely <laughs> love it he is an absolute legend and you know what like I think deep rooted he there's so many like influences from that man that are deep rooted within me um i think when i'm asking mm-hmm. you this podcast you brought up tarzan and i was like oh god tarzan <laughs> do, do you want to explain about tarzan have you told i think before? i think you should i think i'm gonna give you the i'm gonna give you the floor okay explain. <laughs> <laughs> oh let me try and remember it um so my uh biggest and best memory of you bradley was being um tarzan in our year six musical play um which was called I'm Tarzan, Get Me Out of Here. Yeah. So it was mixing the story of Tarzan <laughs> with <laughs> I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So we had all the characters of Tarzan and, uh, and I think Conan and Paul Mile were Anton Deck. Yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> and uh, I, I was very unhappy with that show. I wanted a much bigger role than I got. I think I was um, Turk's mum. <laughs> Still though, didn't you, you have that massive dance number, right? Didn't you have a massive dance number? Did I? Maybe I did. It was a long time ago, to be fair. I, do you know, all I, the thing that I just it triggers me so much is the fact that I had my wig back to front for most of it. Um, and, <laughs> and that, like, do you remember that suit that I was wearing where it was like oh the God. big six pack thing? And I was, the, Mr. A tried so many times to just be like, just, it's fine. Like, just take, not just take your top off. We're not, we're like, it wasn't inappropriate or anything, you know, but, oh no. <laughs> but it was like, but just, he was saying like, you should just be confident and just like play the role. And I was like, listen, I have, I'm a little chubby year six boy. I am like, I'm going to keep my top on. <laughs> but um, so that's why he, he actually did buy that thing for me. So I was like, he's a legend. We love Mr. Oh, Ray. I didn't know that story. Yeah, so it's very cute. Very cute. Um, but yeah, he was. I do was, remember the wig. Oh God, that wig. So it just was, yeah, something else. But yeah, so then we ended up leaving primary school and you went to William Ferrers, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. and I went to the Plume, so we parted ways. And I want to, like, like I said, for anyone that's listening, we've always stayed in touch on Instagram, haven't we? There's always been, like, yeah. we've always, like, answered each other's Instagram stories, checked in every now and again. But it's so weird how life just gets in the way completely, especially because we are two very creative people. And it's a shame that we haven't been able to stay as in touch as as we might have wanted to. But it's so nice to have this platform to bring that back. So I want to hear everything you, you want to tell me, Hazel, and, and what, where, where your life 
was then and to where you are now. And like I said, I'll just, I'll just jump in and out and ask questions because I'm so intrigued. Oh, okay. Where should we begin? <laughs> um, maybe, yeah, let's start at school. So I think I always knew I was creative um, and I always knew I wanted to be an artist from yeah. the age of maybe six. So my family wow. is really creative and they're all artists. Well, some of them are artists and yeah, it was no doubt for me. That's what I wanted to do. So I was one of those really annoying people that knew what I wanted to do from <laughs> such a young age. Um, although actually, interestingly, I did want to be an actress for a little while. Okay. Um, but I always thought um, I'm not white enough. Uh, so for anyone listening, I'm half English, half Sri Lankan. Um, but I've got a bit of a brown, brown tone, dark hair. Um, so I always thought I wasn't white enough or skinny enough to play any of the roles that I'd want to play. Um, so I think that um, that kind of lack of representation in the media that I saw and all the films that I absorbed, and I loved Disney, and, and I loved Aurora from Sleeping Beauty, yeah. and that's who I wanted to be as a child. So in primary school, uh, I just wished to have white skin and blonde hair, uh, which was really sad. Um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, like that's, I mean, that's because there wasn't, there wasn't any mm. diversity amongst the Disney princesses. And I mean, we're, we're obviously leading ourselves down the, the path, the path is, is widening, but still, we're still got a long way to go, you know? Yeah, I think I'd probably be in a, maybe in a better position now in today's yeah. society. <laughs> you know, a, few, a few more options, still not enough Hazel, but we'll have a few yeah. more options. <laughs> a little bit more. Um, but anyway, so that uh, was an avenue I kind of ruled out for myself I just sort of told myself no it's not, not going to happen um, but I still did drama up till A level amazing um, yeah so I enjoyed that and art was always my constant it was the thing I was good at and it was the thing I loved yeah um, and I'd seen it happen for family members um, so I had people to look up to and my grandpa was a freelance illustrator so he oh, really God. inspired me and he's probably my biggest hero actually um, oh that's great and so anyway yeah I followed the kind of classic system so I did GCSE art and then I did A-level art and then I was looking at universities and um, so A-level art I was doing lots of painting and oil painting and very figurative um, some quite conceptual pieces so I had that fine art background but I really wanted to get into illustration um, and so I looked around for courses and Coventry University did fine art and illustration combined. Oh, wow. And That's thought, like, that, that ticks oh my God, boxes. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and they only wanted CCC, I think. And I thought, okay, I, know, I think I can get that. I know I can yeah. get that. Um, and so, yeah, I went to Coventry University Amazing. and over the three years, I felt that the fine art side of it was a little bit more elitist. Um, you had to have all these conceptual ideas and all the language to go alongside it yeah throughout the three years I kind of veered more towards illustration because Coventry had such a big focus on how do we turn this into a business how do you turn this into a job at the end of things so we had lots of portfolio advice we had um we learned all about copyright law and licensing and how to price your work. And it was just really useful yeah, information I that I still keep with me. Yeah. So other courses that I saw were more about, this is how you, this is how you learn to draw. And then this course was, 
they said, we expect you to know how to draw before you come here. We're not going to teach you how to draw. We're going to teach you how to become an illustrator. Right. And I really like that aspect yeah. of business. Definitely. I mean, it's a different take, isn't it, on, on like what, what you might expect when you, when you start something like that? Yeah, we did have life drawing and things and technical workshops as well. So I learned Photoshop. Um, oh, best tool ever while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> that, was very, that was very useful. Um, so we had lots of technical um, sessions and screen printing and everything you could want in a, in a degree, really. Um, and yeah, and then uh, towards the end of third year, I was gradually getting an idea of what kind of illustrator I wanted to be. Because I always thought illustration, oh, there's books, that's it. You can just be a book illustrator, but there's yeah. so much more. Once you get into it, you um, learn about advertising and comic books and editorial illustration and oh, my brain's gone, but there's so many. Uh, no, but what you're saying, the, the, scope, the scope is more than just that first, the, than that first like aspect. It's the same, it's the same, again, it's the same, it's an art. It's like the same with theatre that you think, oh, you just go up there and say some words, but there's so many different, there's so many different like elements to, a production from from backstage to front of house to what's on stage to the creation process like there's so much more than just what you see when you buy a theatre ticket and go and watch a show mm, how did you land on script writing how did I you find just, that was so for you I actually um auditioned for drama school at the end of well during my last year at sixth form and honestly I was I'm not saying I was a bad actor, but I was so young and so inexperienced. And I mean, yeah. they do. They, to be fair, they do say to you, like from the first time you apply for drama school, it's, it very rarely happens. Because and some people are very lucky and are very talented and and do have that like life experience. And do you know it's something all of them said that you need you need more life experience. But when you're 18, you're like, what does that mean? Like I've I've lived <laughs> I've lived I've lived through so many emotions already. And you're like, no, you have not. You don't know what's out there. <laughs> like go and explore and then come back. But I decided to um I think for me, I just quickly realized that I had other interests as well as acting and I just needed something there and like then and there to like get stuck into. And I love I've I've always loved theatre and um the theory behind it was just as in, interesting to me as the practical elements, which is why I went and studied theatre and performance as a craft rather than just like a practical element that like I said that you would learn the craft of acting I wanted to learn everything else that came with it so yeah I just throughout uni I just um I wrote a mini series called um Stina which was about a my self-titled my Norwegian friend Stina who she accidentally <laughs> um there was this like mishap that happened where she accidentally stole a sausage or something in Norway and I remember her telling me the story when one of the one of the first like weeks I'd met her and I was like this needs to be a mini-series she was like what and my dad had started like making films and stuff in the background so I was like okay I've got equipment like I've got I I, I like enjoy writing so I'm just going to do this and throughout second year I think it took us about three or four months and we shot this like six six part mini-series yeah and I mean it's not amazing but you know what we had fun and that for me was like one of the first things that I wrote and produced all myself and I was like there's nothing stopping like at the end of the day not everything you create is going to be outstanding and like 
like a smash hit but um we did get it on a platform it was on essex tv which is like an online platform it got viewed like a i, I think it was i think the a, like cumulative viewership was something like a hundred thousand but even now like i'm like i don't care about how many people it was viewed by like it's just the fact that i produced something and that's a lot was, though yeah and also, it was, yeah <laughs> but it's but it's yeah it just was it was really nice to just create something and then i was from there i've just always loved producing something especially when i have been involved with the writing um so yeah that's where i that's where i sat with writing at that point and even even wow. with this with this podcast platform it's still as much as I, like i said to you i don't write a script for this and i don't write out questions it's still mm-hmm. it's still about telling a story you know it's still about crafting crafting something for an audience so that's what i want to set out to do because of what i said at the uni that's amazing and i think um that's another really great uh, way to approach life. Just don't expect everything to be a smash hit. Just keep putting things out there and out there and out there. Yeah. Because if you're creating something just with the sole purpose of this is going to be really famous or everyone's going to pick up on this, then you're going to have this inner critic the whole way. Yeah. Um, tearing down all your ideas like, oh no, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. Rather than actually trying these ideas exactly and maybe the world needs to see these ideas oh yeah and you really don't respect know, that you don't know who is gonna um be touched by any of your work as well it doesn't matter it, it, it really it sounds so cliche but it's not about quantity it's about quality and it's about just putting your all into whatever idea you do have getting it out there actually producing it and then um yeah letting the world see it and if and if, and if a bunch of people see it great we're not complaining right but like <laughs> <laughs> but first, first things first do what you love and put everything you you love into that so yeah for sure uh and i definitely oh don't want to be shady but i definitely yeah i'm gonna be shady be shady <laughs> <laughs> i definitely see um creatives uh seeing things that are popular seeing trends and thinking i'm gonna jump on that trend um and get really popular that way yeah and i feel like that's such a destructive way to work and uh, if you're not creative maybe that's all you're capable of but us as creatives we're so original and we have so many unique ideas that are worth putting out there even if they're not trendy at the moment yeah exactly and that's what that's what i mean when i'm looking for content to like engross myself in i want i'm looking for fresh fresh artists when it comes to music and film and art and books and literature like I'm, I'm not I'm not I don't want to just jump on the bandwagon for jumping on the bandwagon's sake and I actually think this like almost this what's it called what's the word where you the hype hype culture like there is a hype culture right now where you jump on the hype for the sake of it I mean I don't know if you watched Tiger King on Netflix but I thought that was so overhyped like I was (laughs) (laughs) it was so hyped so I had to watch it just exactly that's the thing we're all we we are all victims of falling for hype but at the end of the day it's about acknowledging that and not falling into that trap yourself when you are a creative because you've got so much more to give than just a restructured version of what someone else has already given you know Oh, that's such a good quote. You need to pull that, <laughs> pull that out and type it up somehow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, so, so you've been to uni and mm-hmm. that's the scariest part about my life so far is coming out of uni and being like, oh, oh 
my god i mean, luckily i so i'm i'm such a pre-planner hazel like i like to plan everything to the t um and as i've got older <laughs> i'm a bit like i'm a bit like you know what let's do let's do it more spontaneous let's just go to like wherever let's do whatever and um, because it's more fun to be that way but i also do love to i love i love a schedule i do love a schedule um so i yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah i had decided like a year before I think it was the end of my second year that I was going to apply for this Disney program just so I could have like a year out of education. And I went into that. So I had that, but I had that feeling that I almost just postponed the feeling of coming out of uni to after I come back from Disney and I had, I crashed majorly. I just, I, I was, I, I really seriously was like, Oh my God, what do I do with my life now? So what, how did you, how did you cope with that moment? Um, oh, can I ask you a question quickly? Yeah, of course you can. Do, uh, thank you. Um, do you mean, did you, you crashed after Disney or you crashed before? Crashed after Disney. So it was, ah, okay. Yeah, so, so you still had that feeling of what next? Exactly, because I, I, I almost fooled myself out of that feeling. It was almost tricky yep. thinking that wasn't there <laughs> because I, I, left, I left uni in the June. I graduated in July and went to Disney in August and then lived the year of my life traveling America and, okay. like, and living in Orlando. It was amazing. Then you come back and they, call, they, genu- they genuinely used to have an aftercare program on, on for the Disney international programs for Disney depression. That's what they actually referred to it as. Because oh my god! You, I mean, imagine spending it's bad enough spending two weeks at Disney World and like surrounded by all this like facade of happiness and joy, <laughs> and then you come home and it's like, oh my god! I was I, to be fair, I was really I don't want to talk too much because this isn't about me, but it's still interesting because because I feel like no, I'm interested. Yeah, <laughs> but I everyone needs to know exactly. And and do you know what? I was really lucky that I came. So while I was in Orlando, my last couple of months, my dad had been offered another film by the distribution company we were working for at the time. And he gave, he asked me if I wanted to co-write it with him. And I, by all means, like we are, we are not, we don't have a literature background. I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. study, like, I, I mean, like I said, I've studied playwriting, but it's all just, it really does just come from a passion, a passionate place. And I just put in my research for this project and I, it sounds like I'm glamorizing it so much, but I would sit by the pool by saying this, I'm glamorizing it because I'd love to be sitting by the pool right now, but I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would sit by the pool. I'd get back from work at about 11 and yeah, just go and take my laptop, sit by the pool till about two three in the morning and I did that for about three weeks straight just researching and um writing as much as I could because we were on such a tight deadline with this project and when when you're working as an indie artist a lot of the time the deadlines are so snappy because you, you you're working to, at the end of the day it's 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 very cutthroat like if you're if you're not there with that deadline somebody else is going to be there with it so you have to you have wow. to keep it all um yeah it's it's savage it's savage at that point but yeah, anyway, so that film was produced uh, while I was in America, which was amazing. Like to be working at Disney and seeing that being produced here was just like mind blowing. But um, yeah, I came back and I, we, my dad had just settled another deal for a horror film called Skinned, um, which then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a very dark film about a um, like killer tattoo artist. But it was it, obviously my dad. Ooh, my dad is a yeah, tattoo yeah. artist, so so it was the influences <laughs> He's got some there. Experience. Exactly, exactly. I was like, I hope this isn't biographical. This story because he came up with the story, <laughs> and um, then yeah, I, I wrote. I literally came back from America. I think it was the day after I got back. I started writing. So again, that feeling was postponed. I was like, I, I don't, I don't, 
I, I don't have to worry about the world because I'm like everything <laughs> at that point I was like oh this is all going so well and then bang HMV went into liquidation in the February and we had nothing like all of our future oh. projects over that next few months were cancelled and it was it was a very like it was a rough time and we did end up getting another film but that's when I decided I need a regular job and do this on the side mm-hmm. because because I, I just just my mental health I needed some regularity in my life so yeah to answer your question in a very convoluted way Hazel that feeling that I had was <laughs> after Disney <laughs> no that's interesting about how you kept postponing that feeling as well and I guess also you didn't have um your uni mates that were going through it because they were all going through it together and that's what I that's what I kind of leaned on like no one was getting jobs we're all applying for things and just getting turned around because we didn't have experience but how do you get experience exactly by just getting on that ladder um yeah so I guess you must have been a sort of year a year behind yeah exactly that exactly that and do you know even on reflection like I mean there are opportunities to go back and work at Disney and it is such an amazing experience but there's that fear of everyone else is moving on with their life and you're taking a, another year out like but then I'm also on the other hand I'm like who the hell cares like time is a construct yeah. isn't it like like if you want to yeah. go and live your life go and live your life like <laughs> have a blast like so much fun but anyway so yeah so you've so you've left uni you've how did you jump onto that ladder? What was that, what was that turning point for you? Um, it, was a, it was a little process. Um, so I, at the time I thought I wanted to be an editorial illustrator or a political cartoonist. Um, and I was very lucky in that my lecturer at the time had given me a list of all these contacts. So that summer I worked so hard. Um, I spent quite a lot of money getting my final major project, which was this little book. Um, so I printed out, I think a thousand of those. Oh my God, I've still got boxes and boxes of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I got a thousand. I think it was because it was cheaper as you uh, yeah. more. So I somehow got a thousand of these books printed. <gasps> and I sent them out to art directors and people at magazines. Um, and I think I sent about 200 out and I got zero replies. So there was me, little naive Hazel thinking, yeah, I'm just going to send some things out. I'm going to get people um, coming in with offers and saying, hey, do you want to illustrate this this bit? Um, But I got nothing. It was just tumbleweed. I emailed hundreds of people, nothing. I called offices. Um, I think I got two meetings actually with smart directors, but obviously I hadn't built up my portfolio. I think they just felt a bit sorry for me they would give me some advice of how to build it up you know what though I have um, to say, so like, I kind of, there are moments like that are also there to give you that self-encouragement and like as much as as much as it might have been that might have been the case like it's nice to just get that glimmer of hope for a second and it gets you back on the wagon doesn't it It gets you back thinking okay someone has actually like looked at it it's not just gone in a bin like someone's actually looked at this thing that I put work into yeah, I don't know if they did. I, I don't know. I, I hope. I hope, I hope they so. Did. <laughs> I have faith in humanity, and I, I just, I like to trick myself into these things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, ah, oh, and it was just an awful time because uh, I'd broken up with my uni boyfriend, my grandpa, who I said earlier was my role model, died. Mm. Um, this was all happening at the same time. I was coming out of uni, and it just felt like the worst worst year of my life that year after uni yeah um, and 
I was still struggling. I'd moved back in with my parents as well, which um, for me, I love my parents, but going from having all that freedom to being back back home, uh, that it was feels, It feels like a step back, doesn't it? As much as, as, it much does. as that, that's, that's not what it is, but it does, feel like, it does feel like that when that happens. It does. Um, and then they have to sort of take comfort in, actually, everyone's doing that. Yeah. while they try and get that first job um and so I didn't get a job but I got an internship and it was a paid internship at this feminist company you can see where the themes come in now yeah I can see it <laughs> and oh I thought it was the best thing in the world um because it was this feminist uh, little organization that these two millionaires had set up as kind of a passion project and they needed a couple of interns um so they hired me I think because I could illustrate as well um, so I was doing social media and illustration for them and it ended horribly oh my god there was this whole oh, no. copyright <laughs> I know <laughs> there was this whole copyright issue thing um, and it was awful uh, and so I had to leave slash get fired because I refused to hand over my copyright um, and that was hard but while I was there they introduced me to different feminist groups that I love so bloody good period who provide period products to asylum seekers and um, homeless people and people that can't afford them um, yeah I met them and I started doing a little bit of work for them and they were really supportive and recommended me to other people and then I got my first client um, who is a period um, product company uh, and then other period people in that period world started seeing that I was doing illustration for these other companies so then it just slowly slowly I remember, do you know, I remember seeing I remember seeing it on Instagram at this like uh, there was a point where you start that that like you, the work with the periods it started it's yes. your Instagram stories I remember seeing it so it's crazy to like <laughs> to like hear that so yeah it was a uh, it was great. I was uh, loving what I was doing. And I had sort of part-time jobs alongside this as well because I wasn't um, making enough financially. So I was living with my parents still and doing like, little social media jobs here and there and doing all this period illustration. And I even had an article written about me uh, by my friend who works for Digital Arts Magazine about how I was the period illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it's such a strange niche. And I didn't mind it, but I did want to break out of that niche at some point yeah. as well. <laughs> um, and then what else was I doing? Ah, so at some point I decided, you know what, I need to leave my parents' house, but I need to be making more money. So I did get a full-time job. Um, which year was that? 2018, I think? 2017? No, 2018. Uh, I got a full-time job uh, doing social media. Um, and still trying to balance freelance work and that was hard because I was just working like half eight till maybe half six and then coming home and then doing my freelance work and yeah. I just burn out once a month just burn out and so at some point I realized you know what I can't do this anymore right. uh, and I've been building up a client list um, who would commission me regularly uh, and so when was it December 2018 um I went full-time freelance wow and that was terrifying that is that's <laughs> like jumping in the deep end isn't it when you do that 
Mm -hmm. And the first month, uh, I didn't make my rent. Wow. Uh, the second month, I think I just scraped my rent. And the third month, I made a little bit more than my rent. So, so you're like, so you're like silver linings, like every month you're like, okay, I'm <laughs> creeping out of this dark hole right now. I'm going to get yes. <laughs> <laughs> But what I didn't realize, um, and it happened this, this year as well, is that January is a terrible, terrible month to get commissions because um, people aren't back in the offices and they haven't planned out their projects for the year. Um, so they're sl slowly getting back into their routine. Yeah. Um, so next January, I'm just going to have off completely. <laughs> Good plan. Good plan. <laughs> uh, and then I guess that brings me on to, this is March last year. So this was a really pivotal point for me. Um, I went to an event called Eroticon. So I got this free ticket um, to this kind of sexy event. Um, so there were these different sex toys that were there, these erotic writers. I think it was mainly for erotic bloggers. So yeah. I went in mind with thinking, oh, I'll get to meet some writers and writers always want illustrators. So yeah. maybe I'll get some connections. Definitely. And then it was a series of talks as well um, about the erotic industry. And it was very um, eye-opening. I imagine. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then... Uh, one of the days I had a choice of three talks. I discounted one and the other two talks, uh, the other two talks were the object, the objectification of women in throughout history. And the other one was, um, by two porn performers. Um, and what goes on behind porn? And I really couldn't decide. And it was a very last minute decision that I went to the talk about porn. And it was so good. It was um, these two amazing porn performers and producers. And they produced all this ethical porn. So all the actors, um, they asked them what they're into, what they want to do. Um, so it's very much focused on the actor um, or the performer. And one of the questions they asked was, okay, what things don't you see in porn? Um, or something like what goes on behind porn or oh, what was the question? And we'll cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, is it like what's behind the scenes sort of, like what happens behind the camera? Yes, so they were talking about um, what happens behind the camera. And then they opened up the question to the audience of, you know, what things happen in your bedroom that you don't see in porn? Mm. Um, and then people started calling out suggestions. And it was this great feeling of being connected. Uh, and I decided to base this illustration off that talk. And so I called it um, Things You Don't See in Mainstream Porn. And I included things like, you know, giggling, like pets watching, falling off the bed, like lots of warm human moments. And it got picked up uh, straight away. I kind of just posted it thinking, oh yeah, it'll be another post. And I had 2000 followers at the time. And then overnight, I got to 30,000 followers. Wow. Because I think Paloma Faith and Jamil, Jamil and Megan from Love Island all shared it. And it just went crazy around the so internet. Cool. How did you feel at that um, moment, Hazel? What was, what was your like, initial like, thought process when that happened? <laughs> uh, so I'd posted it the day before I was going on holiday with my mum. 
uh, we went to Lanzarote and it was kind of the next day everything was happening and I, I was just thinking oh my god what's happening and so many um, people have been sharing it and I just wasn't used to this at all at all and I remember that week I was with my mum I just kept checking my phone and I was just so anxious and it was one of the best things that happened but oh my god the effect it had on my mental health really because I, I didn't know how to deal with this I was getting so many comments like so many um appreciative comments that I felt like I had to reply to everyone um and I was spending hours each day on holiday trying to reply to everyone just by sending them a heart yeah and it was intense um and you know over the past year I've learned that it's okay to not reply to everyone that you can't like just for the sake of your mental health you're a human being with with a capacity at the end of the day like there's there's only so much that anyone can take I, it's funny you say that i know it's a very different yes. it's a very different situation but i i it was this year on my birthday that i just didn't reply to anyone on my birthday because i get every birthday i get so stressed out about um mm -hmm. people not about about people getting upset with me or people like double messaging me like did you get my message saying happy birthday i'm like yeah but it's my birthday <laughs> like, <laughs> let me, let me and anyone listening to this thank you so much for your birthday messages like it's so lovely of you but on the other hand like i'm gonna get to it but like let me let me do it in my own time and then like you said there is a point like i don't even do instagram birthday things anymore because there was a point where i knew i knew i was making other fr friends i would forget accidentally about their birthday upset mm. because i did a whole post of gifts and music and oh God, yes. <laughs> it just there's a point where you just sort of have to say you know what i can't i can't do this anymore definitely and social media is one of those things um i kind of have a love-hate relationship with it because i know it's got me so much work yeah but also it's so it's been so damaging to my mental health in that way and in other ways um but here we are and anyway that was yeah. the turning point uh, and then suddenly people began to know me and want me to create pieces that were similar to that. And it was just the exposure that I needed really. Yeah. Uh, because I think, I think I have good ideas and I think I had good illustrations and I was just struggling to reach the people that I needed to reach. And then this um, helped me find, you know, art directors and people that had businesses and wanted illustrations for marketing purposes and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's every artist and any, and I use the word artist in any, uh, for any medium, it's any artist's dream. And also, like you said, worst nightmare for this to happen <laughs> because you can never, I don't, you can ever, even when we've like been lucky to have, to get funding for these films that we've done, I can relate in the sense where it just isn't, you, you wait so much, so much, you long for this moment so much. And the second it happens, it just sort of, you, you, at the end of the day no one you don't you don't really know what you're doing like i mean you can be you can yeah. be the most trained person in your field and then you're still a bit like okay what do i do now like what, what what's the next step you know yeah and then also when you've created something that that that's that successful then i remember there was this big pressure i was putting on myself that i need to come up with something that's just as good i need to come up with something better and that's not how ideas work some ideas fly some ideas don't um, and when you start thinking in that way, that's when it 
becomes really damaging to creativity because you're yeah. trying to please all these other people um, and not stay true true to you exactly i'm so excited for like what you've got like for everything that's ahead of you and so <laughs> inspired to hear your journey as well it's so it would be so inspiring for anyone who who is an artist or who isn't an artist in any form to hear this because you really don't know when your turning point is going to be but if you if you mm-hmm. put in the work it's gonna just keep it, going. yeah it's gonna happen you just have to keep going and keep pushing on you know and you just have to believe it as well yeah you just have to say to yourself it's gonna happen you yeah. don't don't even doubt it no it's, it's gonna happen it might be really hard but just think um every time you encounter um adversity or difficulty i just think you know what that's another story for my autobiography exactly exactly <laughs> and you know what put a chapter name on it because that's what i like doing so <laughs> chapter name on it cut your hair move on 100 <laughs> percent. um we're gonna take a very short break and we'll be back with more from hazel shortly Hazel, how are you doing after that 45 second break? (laughs) I'm good. I've topped up my water again. That's the main thing. Stay hydrated, kids. It's been, I don't know about London, but it's been so humid in Essex over like the last week or so. I felt like I couldn't sleep properly because it's been so hot and muggy. It has, yeah, but also rainy, which I think helped. Yeah, it broke it up a little bit, didn't it? (laughs) So, anyways... I have a random question for you. So, um, are you ready for me? I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. Let's do it. So, <laughs> my random question for you, Hazel, is what are, or well, you can answer singular or plural, but what are your strangest habits? Um, so, I've got one really strange habit that people used to make fun of me for the way I used to do this habit. But I've okay. developed a new new way of this habit. Um, so speaking of water, one of the things I've been trying to do is just drink three liters of water a day. Uh, so I have this glass with me here, which is 250 mils. Okay. And, and on my to-do list every day is to drink 12 glasses wow. of water. So I always write drink one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And when I've drunk another glass of water, I will tick it off my to-do list. Oh, that's a cool but visualizing it, does it do you find it works actually like visually having that aid to like tick it off? It does. It really works. Um and I think just if I didn't have that, I'd just kind of forget and then I'd get to the end of the day thinking, oh, I haven't drunk enough water today. And yeah, the thing people used to make fun of me for is because I had an app. <laughs> it was called <laughs> and it was called drink water app or something okay and it, <laughs> and just, it just reminded remind you, you. <laughs> yeah. i love that and i think i still got it on my phone because everyone um, would make fun of me and this is me being stubborn saying, no i'm not <laughs> i'm not gonna delete my app but i did kind of just ignore it after a while so it does help to have it on the to-do list definitely i mean i i you know i go through phases i've got so many water bottles that i'm like I'm like, I'm going to buy a new water bottle and be really like productive and drink lots of water. And then about 
three weeks pass and then I just suddenly start forgetting again so it's just got to become part of routine isn't it it's such an important yeah. thing so it's part of the routine now I, I recommend it even if it is a very bizarre habit to have I mean yeah it's bizarre <laughs> but it is it, but it's effective you are staying hydrated so I'm glad yes. about that. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's yours I um have always done this really weird thing with my hands where I I don't know I, so I used to I suffered with like really severe anxiety at school mm-hmm. and um I mean still working through that now but it's uh, it's a process it's a process but yeah I used I mean everyone that's listening on the podcast is gonna be like what the hell is he talking about but obviously Hazel can see me so I'm gonna visualize it yeah but I think it's a stress um technique called piano fingers and basically I don't know if you can see so I've got like my thumb yes. and my little finger on my left hand and then my thumb and my index finger on my right hand so then mm-hmm. I move them along and then I'm I don't ever touch so hang on so it's one two three four, four. yeah so I'm I touch my thumb twice with my little finger on my left hand and my index finger on my right hand when it comes to it sounds okay. so confusing but I will I'm going to send you I'll send you video of it afterwards because do you know what I do it when I don't even notice I'm getting stressed and then I I look down I'm like okay we're we're fighting through whatever's going on in my head right now and it's such a it's such a strange thing that it start it started off when I was very young probably like six or seven I used to would be I remember sitting on the floor in assembly at school and just feeling almost like I was sinking into the ground like there was so much pressure on me that like not probably was in my head but as a kid I just was like that pressure was transforming into into like my legs and into like my bum and I just felt like I was yeah just like sinking almost and I think that was just early signs of like anxiety and stress and yeah then I just I what I used to do was the you know the like thick seam so like on your I'm sorry I'm just going to show you my leg now you know like (laughs) near your so on the bottom seam of your trousers you've got this like little thick bit and Uh I used to rub my fingernail or my index finger and my middle finger sorry this sounds really crazy now it's really psycho but (laughs) but um, I'm interested (laughs) and yeah so it was just a stress a stress buster for me just to like like touch the thick part of my seam on the on my fingernail and then uh, over time I just was like okay my hat I think it was a, ver- a very natural thing but I was like okay how I can't I can't just be sitting on a chair in class and start like just reach down for my seam of my trousers <laughs> so I'm gonna need like something else <laughs> so yeah I just instead of like fidgeting with a pen or a pencil I just had this like routine with my hands whenever I get stressed I just piano fingers and it, yeah just something I've done ever since so actually uh, I went to a talk it was a great talk I need to write it up in a blog post or something um but it was what was it about? It was about presenting and it's kind of about all the little ticks that people do right. um, and things that give away that they're nervous. And one of them um, is like what you described and it's called self-soothing. Okay. So when you're anxious, um, as a baby, uh, parents will soothe. And so when they're distressed or something, they'll kind of go, oh, they're there. And maybe like stroke the hair or something right. or just touch them as a kind of way to soothe the baby. And we take that on um, into our adult life. So when we're nervous, we'll um, just kind of rub our arm or something or like touch our face. I think I'm a bit of a face toucher yeah. or play with your hair or just fidget in some way. And it's a way of soothing. So that subconscious um, so like memory that yeah. is that that you just relate to like an everyday thing that you do to like yeah relieve your stress exactly that um, and I found that really interesting but yeah, yeah. 
I'm definitely a self-soother. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you can't see it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they are a couple of our strange habits. It's, um, it's, always, it's always good to talk about them, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll start drinking more water and you can start playing piano fingers when you need to do something with your hands. <laughs> um, I've got my piano here. Oh, but I saw you, I saw you, was it, I don't know, it was yesterday or this morning I saw you with, on, your, on Instagram with your piano. I was like... <sighs> I miss it. I've got, I've got, I've got a piano, and I just, I, you know, I, I never touch it, and it's so silly. It's one of those things. I'm like, why don't I do it more? But we shall one day. Do you know what? Actually, mm-hmm. finally, before we jump into our next topic, I remember having a conversation with you at Disney um, while I was at Disney over Instagram. I don't even remember this, but yes, I, think uh, you I do. Did, and I can't remember I, what I said. <laughs> and you were you were playing the piano out on your Instagram story, and I messaged you and was like, "Oh my god, I'm like, and I'm still in the midst of writing this musical. It's like a background project." And I was like, yes. I, "And I was like, I've um, yeah, like, do you play piano?" And you was like, "Well, I mean, I I fiddle around on the piano, but you know, it's not like a, <laughs> it's not like a full time like thing that you that you do. But um, yeah, and then you play quite this like band that like potentially like might have." helps and stuff and it's one of those things where I just never it will be something I do it will be something I do but you know even with that Hazel it's what I've I've reached out to a couple of people um during lockdown actually about potentially I, I write I just write music just to like um just for enjoyment every now and again and wow, I mean such I, a skill yeah it's, it's, jealous. <laughs> it's I'm I'm not as skilled with um instruments as I wish I was like I, I mean I, I I sing and I can again like I can play around on the piano and I'm, I'm quite good like by the ear t- as well but it would be so much more beneficial to have someone there that knows how to write music like 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 oh. it's an essay and it would be so it would be so great to have that and yeah a few people are just like I, I mean, I get that people are busy and people just haven't had the time to apply to me. And that just made me think, you know what? Nothing's stopping me from learning that. So I think it's just, it's just something to take away yeah. that, that, that if, if I want, if I want to do it, I can do it. So yeah, that's just something I took away. But yeah, I remember, I remember that I was on the monorail going to the Magic Kingdom and I saw you with the piano <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, Hazel plays the piano. I'm going to get her on board. So <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I played it for um, about 10 years. I had wow. lessons to- I got pretty good, but then I got a bit rusty because I didn't practice. That's the thing, isn't it? Even <laughs> yeah, with singing, would... like at uni, I, 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 would, I would sing and people would tell, my housemates would tell me off. So I got a bit rusty at uni. So I sing as much <laughs> as I can at home, but... <laughs> yeah um but yeah so we um the next topic we're going to talk about is very <laughs> very broad um but a lot of your work hazel like correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of your work is mm-hmm. is inspired by um feminism and women and um and yeah yes. please interrupt me if please please go ahead um uh, so i think it probably stemmed from that internship that I did, um, which got me interested or which got me aware of kind of feminism as, as a movement. Um, and what did I read? Yeah, the boss that I was working for gave me this book called Half the Sky. And oh my God, it was a hard read. It was basically about all the atrocities that happened to women across the world. Um, such as, you know, sex trafficking and bride burning and just the worst things imaginable. Uh, And it just invoked this feeling of me in me that I need to do something. I need to, I don't know what I can do. 
what can I do? Oh, I know how to draw. So let's draw about some of these issues and just put it out into the world. And I don't know what, whether that was helpful at all, but um, it was just on my mind. So that was what I was creating work around. And then I kind of found myself creating more work around um, kind of feminist issues. And again, uh, I guess going back to the lack of representation, I was thinking, oh, how can I include a more diverse selection of women and people and non-binary people in my illustrations and I think yeah that's where all my work is currently stemming from just trying to what am I trying to say <laughs> this is always really difficult when I try and define what I do um but you, I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily just focused on one thing, is it? It's a, lot of, it's a lot of different branches that end up like forming this whole, this whole sort of culture that you're trying to explore. Yeah, I guess um, people would describe me as a feminist and that kind of encompasses a lot of what I do. Yeah. Um, but feminism as a whole is just this massive beast of a thing with so many different arguments and viewpoints and even within feminism I'm noticing there's loads of different arguments and I just keep thinking why are we fighting amongst ourselves yeah when we could you know be fighting the patriarchy right <laughs> yeah I mean literally we, feminists should be I mean I would call myself a feminist too I think that mm -hmm. we should be we should be working in unison to to force out and, and we're doing a great job we are doing a great job but what if, if you had to if you had to pinpoint where we are right now I know that's the biggest question in the world like that's that you're never going to be able to answer that unless we spent like 10 hours talking but but what if you had to pinpoint where we are right now are you happy with where we are right now when it comes to feminism and how the world um perceives women how much further do you think we've got to go Yeah, that is a massive, massive, massive. massive. That's, like, that's like Bible, that's Bible length of a question, you know. <laughs> uh, I think there's always going to be, you know, progress to be had. And now a lot of the conversations are about how do we include trans women in this, um, in this conversation as well. And there are a great deal of feminists that don't believe trans women are women. And so a lot of the feminist debate at the moment is around this. Um, is that true? Yeah. So, so, so some, mm. sorry, so some women believe that trans women don't come under the same category. Yeah. Yeah. That's not me, by the way. But, no, no, uh, no, yeah. no. So what, so what's the, <laughs> so I just, I just don't, I don't know much about that viewpoint. So what's the, ah. what is the clarification there of the people that are saying that? Uh, so I think the main reasoning or their main reasoning is they try and use biology to define, well, no, you, you are biologically male, you are biologically female. Um, and so trans women don't count as women. That is a very, um, interesting viewpoint considering feminism is about inclusivity i think and equality and um for the people that are suggesting that that it's about that it comes down to biology i feel like it's almost a bit of a contradiction 
of what they're fighting for know that we are we're literally the reason the stem of feminism for me is why should a woman's worth be any less than a man's Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the reason. That's the only re- the only reason that we need to separate those two things in, in when it comes to equality is because they aren't treated. Men and women aren't treated equally in so many different walks of life. So when we're looking, and- we don't. We, we're not necessarily when we're when we're fighting that fight. We want to end up in a place where biology doesn't, biology doesn't matter. So it's very interesting that people are fighting a fight where that are sort of juxtaposing that. Yeah, and I think. Um... I don't like to condense feminism into the theme, but we're just trying to bring women up. We're just trying to fight for equality. I think another, oh, feminism is such a dirty word at the moment because yeah. I think a lot of people think that feminists are trying to bring men down. You know, we're out to, we're out to attack the men. Yeah. And it's not that at all. No. It's just um, trying to get equality in the workplace, trying to get equality everywhere. Yeah. Definitely. And I think, like you said, it's, it, it's, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be treated as a generalization at all. I, I think that something that I've been a vegetarian for 18 months now, and I know it's very different to feminism, but still the, the mentality is similar that um, there are people within, within the vegan and vegeta- vegetarian community that end up causing more difficulty than is necessary and it is it's it is a case of saying you know if i i if i don't want to eat meat that's my decision it's not anybody else's decision so why are we fighting why why don't we all fight on an equal playing field rather mm-hmm. than people that that way people won't perceive us as just angry people who want to dictate what you eat you know and it's, it, it does come down to the same with feminism but at the end of the day we should all be fighting this fight together and not screaming and shouting at the top of our lungs because that's just going to make people angry we can do things more effectively if we yes. uh, if we have a certain way of tackling these issues and it doesn't even feel like screaming at the top of our lungs anymore it feels like it's all happening on social media yeah and so uh, people label other people. Oh, that's a feminist. These are my preconceptions about feminists. Right. I don't. I don't agree with anything that person says because that's a feminist, and that's the opposite to me. Or, um, I guess, similar in the vegan vegetarian community, that people have very strong preconceptions about other people. And exactly. um, <laughs> I was watching an episode of, of Queer Eye. Nice. And, no, no, no. I watched all of Queer Eye, actually. And then I was watching, I was watching the interviews because I couldn't get enough. Um, and Bobby said something really great. He was talking about, do you remember that episode where there was a cop? Um, so there was a policeman. Um, I think he was a Trump supporter. Yes, um, I do. And yeah, and they came in to help him out. And rather than trying to dictate you were wrong you were wrong here are our views you should believe this he said actually we just went in and had a conversation with him and asked him where he got his views from and actually his views he didn't know where he got his news from he he didn't uh, read the news he just kind of heard it from friends and yeah. then when they sort of questioned him about it and actually made him think and had a civilized conversation about it he realized oh actually maybe i don't support 
um, what Trump has been saying. Exactly, and so I think now it's... he's voting. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. I don't know who he's voting for, but he's uh, he's not voting for Trump anymore. Um, exactly. Do you know what I think? It's it's such a it almost falls into this uh this is to anyone listening this is i I don't we've only got a certain amount of time together so i'm trying to i don't want to generalize any of these topics but i mean (laughs) it's also it's also quite nice to touch on them and just to like just touch the surface also to appreciate how all of these things do um fall into similar categories that we are all there are so many fights to be fought and it is a it's it's sometimes the execution of them that really ends up having an effective result if that makes any sense but yeah like i think what you're saying even comes down to lgbt as well like i came Mm i I hate to i said it but i talked about this in one of my previous podcasts but i came out to my parents in um january this year and i had started coming out again i'm I'm using speech marks like um (laughs) air air, air speech yes i can confirm yeah (laughs) but it's there's there's such a stigma about that as well and I think again there is I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to come out to my parents in the way that everyone thinks that you can't your parents because it can lead to I don't know like a very different conversation other than this is just me and I had started dating a guy and I had um we were getting along really well and I just I told them in that way it wasn't a case of me sitting my parents down and saying this is this is me I'm gay I like men like or lump it which I'm sure some people feel they have to do because there is a stigma about the word the words coming out but in actual fact like sitting them I didn't even sit them down I literally just walked into the room I was like I had my hands in my face I was like I've got something to tell you I was like I'm dating a guy and and that even that slightly different like putting it into a slightly different context I think it falls into the same category we're saying about the way the queer eyed guys um approach this man that you see them as another human being that needs to be educated and the the most effective way to be educated for me is just to um understand that there is there is there are different ways of thinking and we like the way I approached my parents wasn't an attack. It wasn't a, um, def- I wasn't being defensive. I was like, it literally was just me almost just, just having a chat with them. And I think that is, that is really in every, I mean, in the space of five minutes, we've covered feminism, uh, veganism, <laughs> LGBT, <laughs> Trump, like, literally. but I think like, I, again, not generalizing, but I think that it's so important that, that we realize that people hopefully are far more inclined to listen if we can appreciate that they might just not understand what they need to understand yet and with with expert advice from people who are going through these things as women as um people in the lgbtq plus community as vegans um as trans supporters um like like we can all hopefully to say this but come to a better world <laughs> hopefully one day you know <laughs> i'm <Hello>. so naive <laughs> <laughs> no i i do uh, i do hope that it goes that way and i hope um but i i don't know i'm quite cynical i just see all the hatred on social media at the moment yeah because people aren't actually having these conversations because also when you're having a conversation over social media you're instantly dehumanizing um, the other person because you're not um, 
you're not even having the sound of their voice to think, oh, you know, actually they're saying this in a really kind way. You're just seeing the words. You're not getting any intonation. Maybe they'll put an, an emoji or something, but yeah. um, often um, you'll see people coming straight away from a defensive point of view and when, or an attacking point of view. And when someone's attacking you, you're going to defend. You're not going to have a conversation. I think that's where, that's where we can have most change. Have you had any, have you had any, difficulties with that yourself since you've um been using this platform to um like to exhibit what you are producing your art um not so much i think i used to have a little bit more when i had less of an understanding of the trans community uh, and that was just a case of educating myself and learning the right language to use to be inclusive. Like the whole point of my work is to be inclusive. So yeah. this is just um, this is just an area I had to educate myself on, um, which I did. I think. Well, I'm still educating myself. There's always more and more to learn. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> um, but no, that um, that was really helpful actually to get that feedback. And at first, it felt like an attack, and I thought, no, I'm not a bad person. I don't want to exclude anyone uh, and I had to really step back and think okay it's not it's not an attack <laughs> it's just it's just it's just it really is I mean we have to appreciate that there is a barrier when it comes to social media and it's sometimes it's like when you read when I read a text and it hasn't got a kiss on the end I don't always do it but sometimes I'll be like did I do something wrong like why why did they do that <laughs> and I'm like wait that is so stupid what are you doing but, it, <laughs> but like you said we we instantly dehumanize ourselves once we um text or um or use Twitter or Instagram or Facebook because we don't have the opportunity to actually hear that person's tone of voice and that at the end of the day can change everything yeah I did uh, receive a voice note actually um so someone had said I can't remember what it was it was it was on the gaslighting illustration uh, and they said they don't like it for some reason. Yeah. And I took that as an attack. I took it as a personal attack. I was like, what? And I DM'd them and said, oh, why don't you like it? And they sent me a, uh, they sent me a couple of messages first and we had a conversation like that. And then she sent me a voice note and it just completely made me soften Yeah. and think, ah, oh, I see where you're coming from. I can hear where you're coming from. And it was a much nicer experience. And, and we, she- ended it in a in a good way uh and both saying we you know we appreciate each other and respect and she respects my work and things and yeah looking forward to what i come up with next i mean i just on that note i have to say thank the lord for, for voice notes because i don't i i <laughs> very very for anyone that knows me knows that i do not like to text because i my fingers are lazy so i so i'm very much a voice <laughs> note person and i just so much rather someone like hear someone's voice and reply that was like yesterday when i like i just like, i'm just gonna send her a voice note because it's nicer to just like i can, yeah. I can just express yourself so much more in in a voice note than a text so I have to say it used to be something that made me really nervous really it it still kind of does a little bit but um (laughs) (laughs) no so I used to receive them and I'd never respond with a voice note but now now I do I'm learning to be better on audio and video I think yeah yeah I mean yeah like I said guys no pressure but it's a great way of showing how much you love someone and how much um expression you've got in your voice so use it 
Right. Yeah, and actually, I really recommend doing that. So I was just feeling in a soppy, lovey-dovey mood. So I sent um, I sent a voice note to my friend to say that I, was, I appreciated her. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, and just things like that, um, I feel like can really change someone's day. That like you have the power to change someone's day by doing something so small. So do it. Do it. Go out there and send that voice send note. The love. You can pause. <laughs> pause this podcast go and send a voice note but come back because we've still got a little bit to go so (laughs) (laughs) anyways on that note we will um jump off for a very short break and we'll be back to finish off this podcast in a little bit I'm literally having the nicest time catching up with you like it's been so so lovely this could be hours yeah literally literally I like I'm sad that a podcast sort of does have to have some sort of time limit on it because I mean I'm I'm happy to compete with the with the length of Avatar at this point I could I could (laughs) (laughs) up the minutes we are we are (laughs) um so I just wanted to ask you if you've got anything coming up any anything next we're just riding the wave for now uh so freelance life is very much riding the wave i'm just saying yes to as many things as possible um who am i working with working with some cool clients uh, a lot of sex positive clients um yeah i'm doing a lot in sex education at the moment i think they're the people that keep coming to me for illustration which is very cool yeah uh so i'm working on those and i'm working on i think i mentioned it at the beginning maybe i didn't um an illustration all about gaslighting oh yeah um, and then oh I don't know whether I should say no I'm gonna say it because then I'm gonna manifest it okay I'm working on a book proposal uh, at the moment oh that's exciting I know it's gonna it's not gonna be around for a very very long time <laughs> okay but still it's, it's that it's that initial like idea yeah. that then forms into this beautiful flower yes because i've been warned that the editing process is eight months alone without even the writing process so it's not gonna be for a while but anyone that is listening it is it is in my head it's in the works so we shall see oh how exciting and also like a slightly different a slightly different like um platform for you as well right definitely i've got such imposter syndrome um (laughs) attempting it but if it does happen, fingers crossed, touched wood, uh, it's going to be a heavily illustrated book. So you have all my usual illustrations and some text as well, my thoughts and ideas about the world. I am excited. <laughs> this is amazing news. Oh. Well, I do have one final question for you, Hazel, before we go today. Yes. Um, that, that question is, I ask everyone this question. Um, because it just gives me serious FOMO of everyone that's in these beautiful places that everyone everyone mentions. But um, my question for you is, if you could be brunching anywhere else in the world right now, where would it be? So for a very long time, I've wanted to go to Greece and I've never been. So I think I'm going to say Greece. Ooh, and okay. you said you got some halloumi there. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I'd probably have some halloumi in Greece. <laughs> I, oh, I, d- 
I just really hope that Halloumi is like better that like I don't think Halloumi can get much better but I'm really hoping that Halloumi is like <laughs> even better in Greece you know that would just like carry on top of the cake was there any particular oh, place yes. in Greece or are you just 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 Greece in general? I don't know just just Greece in general I think I haven't looked into the specifics of where I'd go but you know maybe after the pandemic maybe I'll make that happen at some point it seems like a really great place for a mixture of culture. Like I'm a massive architecture geek. Like mm-hmm. I, my, my family are from um, Malta originally, and it's it's a very it's a very, ah. yeah, it's a very small island. But it is. Um, I just love. I love driving around. I mean, I personally don't drive because Maltese drivers are very dangerous. So I let someone drive for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Just shout, just just calling you all out. If anyone's listening from Malta, sorry about that. <laughs> it's true. My, my parents and my grandparents have both said it. So, you know, um, but it's, uh, I just love, it sounds so geeky, but I just love looking at the buildings. Like it's, it just is, crazy to me how long these buildings have been standing there for and are still standing now like such an architecture geek so yeah architecture culture food um and like the beaches look amazing as well in Greece I really think like that is another choice so oh now I want to go to Greece this happens every time let's go next episode we'll do Greece. Oh my god, I'm so down. Oh. I'm holding you to that, all right? <laughs> okay, Definitely. Well, Hazel, it's been an absolute honour and pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on and being open and honest and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been one of my best podcast experiences ever. Oh, I love that. I've that, say that. It just felt like a natural conversation. And that's like, okay, like, that. I, like I, that's really what I wanted it to be. So I'm so glad, I'm so glad you've enjoyed it. So thank oh, you. So, one I massive final thank you. I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you. Thank of you. Of course, no worries. So you can check um, all of Hazel's um, social media in the description below. I just want to say a massive thank you for joining me on another episode of Brunching with Bradley. I release new episodes every Wednesday and Sunday at 11am. So come and be a fly on the wall with our conversation. Grab your favourite Prosecco or Bellini or Bloody Mary, whatever. Uh, they're all alcoholic. I've obviously got a problem, you know. Um, <laughs> um, and your favourite brunch dish, of course. We'll add some food in there too. And yeah, come along. Don't forget to click that follow button. And thank you so much again. Keep on brunching and bye for now. Bye. Bye.